Welcome to Here's Teresa on Talk Zone with your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Teresa is here to inspire and educate you with heartwarming stories and informative conversations from a national and global perspective. Now, here's Teresa. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, good morning to all my fabulous listeners out there. It is certainly a pleasure to be speaking to you, my listening audience, this beautiful morning that uh, God has given us. And um, I want you to know that this is Teresa E. Keeves, your host for years, Teresa, broadcasting on the GreatTalkZone.com Internet Radio, that I'm sure that all of you have gotten your TalkZone.com uh, app, and if you haven't, please go on my website and uh, pull the, um, there is a link uh, to TalkZone.com. It's www.tekmediations.com, and there's a link, and you can pull that up and uh, hook on and get your app, and this way you can listen to me um, anytime uh, that, that you want during the course of the day that's convenient for you as long as you're listening, and all the other great content that this Internet uh, pro, uh, radio station offers. Okay, I am doing great, my listeners. This is just another day that I'm filled with gratitude and God's guidance and blessings for me on this day, and I expect nothing but the best in my life today and throughout my life, and should anything come upon me that is trying, that I will have the positive wherewithal to quickly look at it in the eye, acknowledge it, and deal with it, and this is my prayer and hope for all the days of my life. Now, how are you guys out there? I certainly hope that you are all with, um, you know, I, hope, I want you guys to be having a phenomenal day. And more importantly, that you learn something or some things this day that will undoubtedly help you as you are traveling along your life journey. Now, I want you to do a couple of things this day to remember to be grateful, be kind. Be open and honest, be giving, be patient with yourself and others, and watch how your day unfolds. All right. Today my show's title is Let's Talk Peace, Salvation, Rectification, and Amicable Resolutions. And these things, um, and, and, and I also want to know, are these things possible to achieve considering the state of our world. My guest is my fabulous brother, mental health therapist, Rachel C. Campbell. As I stated in my show's description for today, is that I have talked about making peace, and I've talked about my concern of the uprise of violence in our country and our world. For example, listeners, when my show was called Put It All on the Table Through Mediation, which, by the way, you can still download on thegreattalkzone.com, I reported on a relational subject on January 7, 2016, and that show's title was What is Fueling the Rage in America and What Part Can Professional Mediation Play to Help Diminish It? That show, of course, aired almost a year and a half ago, and the hope then, as discussed with my guests, Rachel C. Campbell and Terry Griffiths, is that the things that need to be discussed of vital importance are not being discussed, such as having peaceful conversations, creating, strengthening the nation's educational systems, for example. And unfortunately, a large portion of Americans and the world have not realized and or have yet to realize how damaging consistent negative behavior is as well as the long-term effects from it. So stay tuned for this great conversation. However, 
I would like to talk about a couple of things first, as I normally do. Okay, now, I would like to give a shout out to the family of the elderly gentleman, Robert Godwin Sr., who lost his life this past week in Cleveland, Ohio, as he was randomly shot by Steve Stevens. He was only 78 years of age, slowly walking down the street, minding his own business as he was approached by this gunman. My heart goes out to the Goodwin family. Okay, did you guys hear this? It was reported on CBSNews.com that on April 19th, an emotionally disturbed Brooklyn man has undergone a psychiatric evaluation for allegedly stalking and harassing Malia Obama. This is being reported, as I said, on CBS News out of New York. Now, on April 18th, the the, uh, report states in part that the Secret Service agents went to an NYPD precinct in Manhattan to report multiple harassing incidents involving the eldest daughter of former President Barack Obama. Now, according to the Secret Service on April 10th, John Nilton Cardosa, who's 30 years of age, went to the fourth floor of the Tribeca office where the 18-year-old Obama was working as an intern, put a sign on the window, you guys, and repeatedly yelled to her, asking her to marry him. Now, you know that's some sick sickness going on there. Now, the two Secret Service agents assigned to Obama's detail told him to leave. Okay? Now, on April 12th, Cardoso followed Obama out of a different office in Manhattan and was stopped by the two Secret Service agents, agents again. Now, these agents identified Cardoso as the same man who tried to enter the White House on several previous occasions. Now, again, he was sent away without law enforcement action. Now, on April 13th, here we go. The next day, Secret Service agents went to Cardoso's apartment in Brooklyn to interview him. They determined him to be emotionally disturbed, and he was taken to an area hospital for a psych evaluation. None of the previous alleged stalking incidents were reported to the NYPD until that Tuesday. Now, They say that Cardoso has not been charged, but harassment and stalking charges are being considered by the NYPD. Now, this gets a really from me and why. And thank God she has Secret Service personnel assigned to her. It's really getting scary in this world, listeners. But my questions are, what's up with the longevity of this? And why wasn't this person taken care of on the first attempt of stalking and harassment charges? And this is a teenage young lady, a former president's daughter, getting her life started working as an intern with dreams of grandeur and becoming something wonderful in this world. You know, this, you know, guys, look, this thing should have been taken care of initially. You know, I'm happy that she's okay. All right. That's all. Now, I want to say congratulations to Serena Williams. It is being reported on CBS News that she is 20 weeks pregnant. You know, she recently got engaged. But get this. The report says that a spokesman for Serena Williams confirmed to the Associated Press Press on Wednesday the tennis star is pregnant and due in the fall. Now, the tennis champ raised eyebrows when she posted a photo to Snapchat to Snapchat 
that seemed to acknowledge that she and fiance Alexei Ohanian um, are expecting their first child. I think this is fantastic. Now, reports began circulating in no time confirming that Williams is pregnant thanks to the image that she posted onto Snapchat, okay, as she was in a in a yellow bathing suit and she turned to the side and of course that's going to show off her stomach. All right? Now, and she also had captioned up under that Snapchat 20 weeks. I think this is fantastic. Congratulations to her. But maybe, you know, it it, it was, you know, that that the that it says that the announcement um, you know, wasn't that she made wasn't quite ready to make because she quickly deleted the image from her account. Williams and Ohanian, he's the co-founder of Reddit, announced their engagement in December on the popular website. Hey, look, guys, this is how I look. Maybe look at it. Maybe she was all caught up in, in becoming a mother and feeling happy about a pregnancy, as she should, and then realized, oops, let me take this down, as it can become a media frenzy. It's all good, Serena. Congratulations on your engagement and your pregnancy. All right, listen. Do you guys have a daughter or son who is going to their junior or senior prom this year? Well, well, I want to tell you that my girl, Tiara, who I talk about a lot on this program, uh, she's going to a prom. And I'm noticing that the girls are buying for, um, you know, they're, they're not buying for having a, a, a date. They are enjoying just being with their girl crew, and I think this is a great idea. Now, you guys are out there saying, but why, Teresa? Well, for one thing, it takes the pressure off of girls who do not have a boyfriend, who would have to look for a date, or maybe the girls who do have a boyfriend may not necessarily want to take their boyfriend to the prom with them for one reason or another, and maybe the parents are probably feeling better about this trend, let's say, as they do not have to worry so much about the possibility of their baby girl being cohort into doing something she don't want to do. Okay, now let your imagination fly from that. You know, I'm just saying. Now, I'm not sure what the guys are doing for the prom, as I'm sure I'll be finding this out um, in a little bit, in a, in a few years, you know, regarding my baby boy. But I just thought that that was very interesting, and, and I love this. I love this new trend, you know. Okay, let's bring on my guest, the world's best mental health therapist, the remarkable Reginald C. Campbell. Good morning, Reginald. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good morning, everyone. Hey, I'm doing just fine, and my listeners are in the background clapping and saying, Yay! We get to hear what Teresa and Reginald have got to say. We love you guys for listening to us, as I know, <clears throat> excuse me, as I've said, that I know that time is our most precious commodity. And um, you could be listening to or doing something else, but you're taking this time to listen to us. So I just want you to know that I so, so, so appreciate you guys. Okay, Reginald, let's jump into it. I'm going to start right off with <clears throat> talking about unhappiness, trust factors, confidence issues are what, you know, I want to start my show off with today. Now, this is um, um, a, a uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, a um, thing that I got off a blog that I got off from, uh, it's titled Looking for Happiness, and it was reported on Mediate.com, and it was written by Phyllis G. Pollock, P 
P-O-L-L-A-C. And I've talked about her on my show before. Well, let me read some of the stuff that she says, Reginald. And I find it to be very interesting. She says, well, we missed it again. International Day of Happiness was March 20th, 2017, according to the United Nations high-level meeting on happiness and well-being. But perhaps missing it was not such a bad thing. According to the report, Norway ranks first, followed by Denmark, Iceland, and Switzerland. The United States ranks 19th in contrast to its ranking of third in 2007. So in 10 years, Reginald, the, you know, the last decade, happiness among uh, this country's citizens have drastically declined. Okay? Now, according to the executive summary, happiness is considered to be the proper measure of social progress and the goal of public policy. It seems that, Reginald, that in the United States, we have been looking for happiness in all the wrong places. Now, even though our log income per capita and healthy life expectancy increased, Reginald, our social factors deteriorated, on the other hand. <clears throat> now, this is that is why we are in a social crisis, this author is saying, as evidenced by a decline in less social support, less sense of personal freedom, lower donations, and more perceived corruption in government, in government and business. Okay? Now, the report notes, Reginald, that our trust in others have also greatly decreased along with our willingness to help others. Now, what do you think about that so far, Reginald? Well, first of all, I think it's it's unfortunate. And I I, I think with with everything that has been going on in this country uh, since Election Day and actually probably the past year and a half uh, with the election, um, with so many uh, hateful things that have been said that um, you know people are 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 dissatisfied. People are being uh, ramped up with rhetoric about you know it's the other person's fault that this is happening or that is happening. Um, you know we have a have a person uh, who's temporarily um, in, in the White House who uh, you know tells people that. If you're not doing well, it's because of this person, it's because of him, it's because of her, it's because he's Latino, it's because she's a woman, it's because she's black, it's because you're short, it's because you're tall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have people looking at each other and pointing and pointing fingers instead of, you know, looking at each other to solve problems. This is the first precedent that I can say in our study history extensively. It just, you know, before my life, before my uh, life, before I entered this world, and since I entered this world, and this is the only president, uh, along with Ronald Reagan, who I can say has uh, had people look at each other as the fault. Um, mm-hmm. well, I can throw Richard Nixon in there as well. Uh, mm-hmm. President Reagan said uh, during his inauguration speech in 1980 that government is the problem. Mm-hmm. Well, in my opinion, government is supposed to be the reason that people prosper, that you help people prosper. Um, mm-hmm. not that government is the, is the problem, and it's the guy who lives next to you. You know, Richard mm-hmm. Nixon talks about law and order. He was the law and order president, a presidential candidate. Um, mm-hmm. Again, having people look at each other as they're the, they're 
there's the problem. Mm-hmm. You had Franklin Roosevelt, you know, talk about the only thing we have to fear is fear itself, you know, bringing people together. Uh, Harry Truman uh, integrated um, uh, the armed forces. Uh, President Kennedy talked about that's not what your country can do, but what you can do for your country. Mm-hmm. And I'm going with this. Everybody that's talking positive were Democrats. Everybody that's talking negative were Republicans. It's, you know, this other guy's and, fault. And, and, and I would like to also um, uh, put in uh, President Barack Obama, who, um, you know, who came onto the scene and um, he talked about hope. And yes, we can. All right. So that that's one more president. And 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 I hear what you're saying, Reginald, and I agree with what you're saying about um, the, the the a lot of the Republican uh, uh, presidential candidates and and others. But we're just talking about the presidential candidates right now. Um, they seem to need to have some type of platform because they really don't have a platform. So they always go back into the historic thing. Oh, let me see what you know Richard Nixon said. Oh, let me see what. Um, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, my predecessor Bush said, you know, and, and let me get on that because I really don't have a platform. That's a, that's something that I'm thinking, Rachel, that that's happening. Okay. Yeah. Because I don't yeah. think that they have a platform and if they feel that they have to always have, you know, create some type of condemnation, you know, uh, scare tactics and, and things of this kind of nature instead of positiveness. Now, I'm not saying that this is for each and every, um, um, you know, a political candidate, um, across the board, but I'm for the, but it definitely falls true in, up under the presidential, uh, reign, you know, and this, and this, this article goes on to say, uh, Reginald and my listeners, in short, Americans have adopted an us versus them mentality, causing us to lack trust and confidence in others. And I totally agree with that. And I think you were alluding to that too, because as you were saying, you know, with Ronald Reagan, you know, that it calls us to look at one another and to doubt, you know, doubt one another and, uh, creating, uh, racism and, um, you know, and, uh, you know, different things, you know, of that nature when there really isn't, you know, um, that really is not the, the problem. Now, let me clear this right now. Racism has always existed and unfortunately, it will probably be, I'm not going to say always, okay, uh, but it will probably continue to exist, you know, for the near future. But, you know, she says that without trust and confidence, we cannot sustain any sort of relationship with others. Without trust and confidence, we cannot resolve even the smallest of disputes, Reginald. Well, you know, just to be clear, uh, I am saying that every Republican <laughs> president as lean on on the race. Oh, oh no, no, no! I'm I'm, I'm saying that every president. I'm talking about you know the lower in the lower branches of government. You know there are a couple of Republicans that that were you know pretty fair minded. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, and and you know what? I'm, I'm not saying you're saying this. This is what I'm I'm saying to be. Yeah, uh, I hear what you're saying. Clear, so everybody can be clear. Um, mm-hmm. But when you're but when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And, you know, we have to broaden our horizons, look on, look on the other side and, and be more loving because the fact of the matter is we're all children of God. None of us are going anywhere. And this attitude, this, uh, uh, 
Donald Trump, Bill O'Reilly uh, type of, of, of attitude, the Anderson man, the attitude, uh, it, it's time to go. That yes. Is, that is time to go. Uh, and these, these, these are people who, uh, you know, have, have harassed people, have harassed women. Uh, you know, Bill O'Reilly finally uh, lost, lost his job after Fox spent over $13 million in, in, in compensation. Settling, settling, um, um, yeah, settling um, um, lawsuits. But but the right. but, but the thing is is that it's just a matter of time before Trump and his crew is is involved, you know, in in their downfall as as well. But I just want to keep going because I have a lot that I want to cover. Now it says now this I, I as I said before I got this article off of Mediate.com, and she says that um, mediation is also about having a certain amount of trust and confidence not only in the mediator but in the other party says one of the most important things that a mediator must accomplish at the outset of a mediation is to gain the trust and confidence of each participant. Without it, the mediator will find it quite difficult to help the parties resolve the matter. So my thing is, Reginald, is that <clears throat> if a mediator can can do this this thing of finding trust and confidence in the parties that he or she is leading in the in the mediation, why is it not? that our so-called leaders of this country and other countries cannot adopt these same things? Simple answer, because they don't want to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, 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 they don't want to, and they want to continue the status quo. Mm-hmm. Any mediation or negotiation should be for the benefit of both parties. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody's not going to get what they want. That's just the way it is. When you negotiate with your kid, they're not going to get everything they get. When you're kind of negotiating with your wife or spouse or husband or wife or your, or your boss, you're not going to get everything that, that, that you get, but that you want. But that's, that's the way life is. Um, you know, when we drive to work, we may not arrive as fast as we want to because there may be um, a car on the side of the road with a flat tire. Uh, so we mm-hmm. negotiate with ourselves and say, you know what? Okay, that's the way it is. I'm going to continue to enjoy the ride. So, so people not only uh, mediate and negotiate with each other, we have to mediate and negotiate with ourselves as well. Exactly, exactly. And that's where that's where it starts. When we, it, it all starts with ourselves. We got to understand the importance of having trust and confidence because if we don't have it in ourselves initially, then we can't. Excuse me. We can't be the guiding factor in negotiations or mediation process if we don't. So that's a very, very good point, because as I have said before, you can't give somebody something you ain't got. Okay. so now she ended it by saying, Reginald and my listeners, that so the United States, both as a country and as individuals, has lost this mojo. We are not in a happy place. We need to get our trust and confidence back not only in ourselves, but more importantly, in other as well. She just said something, uh, just something to think about. And that's, you know, her ending note was basically what you had, you know, had just mm-hmm. got through saying, you know, that mm-hmm. we need to um, have this, you know, and, and the thing, the reason that we, I feel the, one of the reasons that we don't have this trust and confidence is because of the implications of fear, because we know what fear mm-hmm. can do, can do for you. 
You know, so you, we got all of this yeah. fear. Or you have to be afraid yeah. because they, you know, the, uh, they, they, they have tattoos. Or you got to be afraid because, you know, that, you know, they're, they're wrapped up in, in, in their, you know, in, in, uh, their, their garb that they wear. Or you have to be afraid. I mean, you, no, you don't. No, you don't. That, that's, that's a bunch of malarkey. Okay. You need to be afraid of the ones that you could actually see. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Now. Um, yeah, I want to move on. All right. Now, we know about the constant contentious behavior relationship with North Korea, and this is not anything new. My thing is this, um, uh, Reginald and my list is that the whole tone of this is different that's happening, um, you know, with North Korea, uh, China, Russia, and the United States. What I mean is, you know, is that the ugliness, the cold, the closed-mindedness and hate that is connected, you know, between our White House officials and the North Korean officials is off the chain. Hard-headed, I'm just going to call it just the way it is, and closed-minded. Now, no one, in my opinion, is thinking with a straight head. No one is thinking about the casualties of the cit- of its citizens. And here is the here is the thing: all I'm hearing from Trump, Pence, and the rest of his team, and the North Korean leader as well, is more you know is more than potential of let's get it on. You know, now I, I do not mean, you know, like, you know, original, like what Marvin Gaye sings, you know, you all, mm-hmm. you know, out there. It's not that same thing. I'm talking about the potential of war, you know, and how scary is that? Now, we got tippers flying from both sides, you know, because you got one that's picking at the sore. You know, you got you got uh, a Trump that's just constantly got his finger in there picking at the sore, which is North Korea. Okay, and I do mean that no one has said anything about having talks. The possibility that is to see if there can be a sit down discussion or discussions to talk about our differences, so forth and so on. Now, this is so reminiscent of when Bush was in office. Okay, when we are when are we going to learn that a hard head makes a soft ass man? seems to continue to never learn. Two wrongs, Reginald, don't make a right, and all of the other applicable terminologies that apply. Now, we were discussing this particular topic at the dinner table as we were having um, dinner, you know, with our beautiful family this past Easter Sunday. And I would like for you, Reginald, to state some of what you said during this discussion discussion for our listeners uh, when we were discussing um, th- this matter at the at the table, you know, like, uh, when, you know, I was saying, you know, I did say at that time that we need to all sit down and have a table talk. But I would like for my listeners to hear your side of what it is that you think is going on. You know, I think that um, negotiation is, is important. And I think that China is uh, attempting to negotiate with the United States and attempting to negotiate with, with North Korea uh, for peace mm-hmm. because China mm-hmm. is a burgeoning economy. It's a burgeoning country. You know, they don't want war. They want peace. Uh, people of South Korea, Seoul is a beautiful metropolitan country that exports cars and has, um, uh, you know, skyscrapers and, and people go out to eat dinner. You know, they, they don't, they don't want war. But the, the 
the great thing about negotiation is this, and I'll talk about the example that I used in, in the Cuban Missile Crisis with President Kennedy and, and Nikita Khrushchev. And, uh-huh. and um, during this Cuban Missile Crisis, that, uh, you know, as contentious as that situation was, Kennedy and Khrushchev continued to negotiate. They continued mm-hmm. to negotiate. There are some mm-hmm. Kennedy get, didn't get everything he wanted. Khrushchev didn't get everything they wanted. He wanted, but it averted nuclear war. One thing that Kennedy, you know, they sat down and negotiated, and one of the things that Khrushchev said is that, uh, so President Kennedy, okay, well, we'll remove the, the missiles uh, from from Cuba uh, if you remove the missiles out of, out of Turkey. Now, at first, Andre Gromyko, who was like the Secretary of State of Russia, um, met with President Kennedy and denied having any missiles in Cuba, and, and pulled out some, some pictures out of his desk to show uh, uh, Andre Gromyko that you know we have the satellite pictures of the silos and things that that you, you are building. And also, we see the missiles that are coming on ships. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, Romico went back to uh, went back to the people Khrushchev. But Khrushchev said, "So Kennedy, okay, well, we'll 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 remove the missiles and take the missiles back if you remove the missiles out of out of Turkey." Now, little mm-hmm. did um, uh, Khrushchev know that uh, these Jupiter missiles that were that were uh, the United States set up in Turkey. Um, were old missiles and uh, ACBM missiles that Kennedy was going to remove anyway. Khrushchev didn't know that. So Khrushchev mm-hmm. thought he was getting something. So Kennedy said, okay, Premier will remove these Jupiter missiles. So Kennedy felt he doesn't know that we're, we're going to remove these missiles anyway. And if we want to destroy Moscow, we can send an ACBM. We can shoot a missile from a, from a submarine from the Black Sea or the Red Sea or whatever. But again, negotiation, negotiation saved this world from nuclear disaster. And that's exactly. what seeing right now. Uh, you have someone like the leader of North Korea and Donald Trump, uh, uh both who want to play with, uh, as Stevie Wonder said in his, in his record once, men play with bombs like they're toys. Um, mm-hmm. and it's amazing to me that people who don't who never served are the first ones who want to go into war. Donald Trump had five or six disaster permits during the Vietnam War. Now he's this tough guy because his son, his daughter, his nephew, his uncle will not be the ones that go on the front line to fight a war. And and this brings me to what I have said on my program before and I have said to you in our talks is that perhaps if if we can invoke this rule that if you declare war, then you lead your soldiers into war. If Trump is going to declare war, then he needs to get his fat ass up on the horse or in a tank or whatever and lead them out to war. That's what he needs to do. And, you know, and I, this is something that I'm going to coin, coin here, a sore picker, because that's what Donald Trump is. He's a sore, he's a sore picker. And what I mean by that, if, if nobody doesn't know what I'm talking about, is that if you have a sore, okay, you run and you know that if you take your finger and start picking at it, you know, and you haven't washed your hands, you haven't put on, put any type of um, um, antiseptic on it, 
to to try to clean up the matter is going to do nothing but get worse. Okay, now it may form a scab over it for a little bit, but it is still festering up under there because you still haven't gotten to the root of why this sore continues to expand. So that's what I'm saying. I think that's a good analogy of Trump as well as as well as Kim Jong Un. But um, but Trump, it, it you know, he, he, he you know, and I agree. You know, his 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 uh, lineage isn't going to be going and and he himself isn't isn't going to be going. He's never been involved in a fight. I bet you in in school or anything. He never you understand what I'm saying, Rachel? He never had to, you know, throw throw a punch. But yet he's going to, you know, uh, open up his mouth as though he's a tough guy. If I were to take him to some places in Chicago or New York, he would be calling for his mama. Okay. But, you know, it is always these kinds of people who are antagonistic, okay, who are antagonistic and have no sense of peace, have no sense of rectification, uh, amicable resolutions or salvation. Which brings me to my next thing that I want to talk about salvation. Now, dictionary.com states salvation means the act of saving or protection from harm, risk, loss, destruction. The state of being saved or protected from harm, risk, and etc. Now, because I only have a one-hour show, I'm Rachel, you know, I'm going to leave the biblical or theology portion of it out for now. But I think that a lot of Americans are thinking about salvation. Maybe not all of them are using the word but they are thinking about the harm, the risk, the loss and or destruction that could possibly befall on them or their families in wake of all of this contentious behavior that is going on. You and I both know the power of conversing with one another and the things that can be learned and or resolved are tremendous and fantastic from having conversations with one another. And you know that I'm, I am a purveyor a professional mediation. So, and then not only that, you know, Reginald, my listeners, so much can be learned um, during a conversation from all parties that are involved. Now, could the process of professional mediation be worthwhile for resolving some of these disputes, Reginald, that are growing in our world today? Can or should, Reginald, these talks include the importance of rectification and salvation in order to bring peace to the table. You know what I mean? For example, with the Syrian crises and North Korea out of control, launching their missiles haphazardly. You know, if we were to sit at the table, bring all of these knuckleheads to the table. And I'm, and I also agree. I want to say this before I continue on. I also agree that I do believe in my heart of hearts that China is the person who is doing their best to achieve peace. Okay. So I, I, I want to hear your take on that, Reginald. Mm-hmm. Well, so first let me say, um, you know, one thing President Eisenhower said, um, is that, uh, the last person who wants to go to war is the military because they know the destruction of war. Mm-hmm. And it's always someone who's never, you know, who's watched some TV movies. No, this is real stuff. You, you mm-hmm. know, it's not going to be music and 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 uh, 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 
uh, words playing and you know rolling credits rolling at the at the at, at the, the end. Movie. And and you're not going to be attending any award shows after that for your portrayal of the character in the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is this is this is real stuff. And I mm-hmm. think um, having a but what's important about okay, let's just take the uh, what's going on with Trump and the and and, and the Russian, you know, and, and the election. What uh, mm-hmm. uh, Nancy Pelosi, um, Chuck Schumer, and others are calling for is a uh, a nonpartisan person, a mediator, to come in and negotiate because this person doesn't have a dog in the fight. Mm-hmm. So he's not, and she is not going to negotiate <laughs> because they're president of some big oil company or some big national, uh, natural gas company. Their negotiation. Um, will be centered simply on the betterment and the resolution of this conflict. Exactly. And that's why I think uh, mediation, um, nonpartisan uh, uh, people, uh, as you know, the example that I used before, are so important because, again, they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to negotiate because they're uh, looking at the bottom line, if they're able to drill or if they're able to, you know, put up something, it's simply to have um, a peaceful, amicable uh, 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 solution mm-hmm. to whatever issue that there is. Exactly. And the thing is, is that, um, uh, you know, and, and I said this before, a lot of people, you know, uh, oh, well, you know, no, you know, mediation, you know, professional mediation would not. Yes, it, yes, it would. Yes, it would. And the thing is, is that it's not going to be a quick resolve. But the thing is, is that we're starting to talk. OK, and we're putting halt on our differences by negative differences. OK, and and so that we can put it all on the table. And talk about it, discuss it, you know, uh, analyze it, dissect it, and and no, you're not going to get everything you want. However, you do know that what is on the table and the outcome of it is the best for all parties of all because it is not all about you, okay? It's not all about you, Trump administration. It's not all about you, North Korea. We have the whole world that we have to think about. We have all of the citizens of this world that we have to think about the destruction, the horrific destruction that could befall on this beautiful world. Okay, now, Rachel, I want to go right in. I'm not going to take any breaks right now because I have a lot to cover. And uh, I thank I thank you for what it was that you said, because as I said, I'm I'm a huge purveyor of professional mediation. Okay, now. Political reported on the 17th of this month the following. Trump to sign executive order reviewing by American, higher American practices. Now, the, the report states in part, Reginald and my listeners, President Donald Trump on Tuesday will sign an executive order aimed at bolstering his pledge to buy American and hire American by directing federal agencies to probe government procurement practices and reexamine all programs under which workers enter the United States from abroad, including H-1B visas, a key priority for tech companies. 
Trump has long promised to pursue a Buy American, Hire American initiative, which aims to limit the purchase of goods manufactured abroad and the use of foreign workers. He included the goal in two of his highest profile speeches since entering the Oval Office. Now, while the executive order will not immediately change any specific policies, Reginald, it represents a concrete and symbolic step toward achieving that goal. Okay, now. It goes on to say that some changes will come quickly. Some will take time, the official said, adding that there is great appetite within the various agencies to move expeditiously. All right. Now, Reginald and my listeners, here comes the but. CNN.com slash 2013 slash 03 slash 27 slash U.S. refugees reported on March 29th, 2017. All right. Now gave you that that link for a reason. I'm going to repeat it. CNN.com slash 2013 slash 03 slash 27 slash U.S. slash refugees. All right. Reported on March 29, 2017, as more Americans fail drug tests, employers turn to refugees. There is a company named Sterling Technologies. It is a plastic molding company based near the shores of Lake Erie, Pennsylvania, Reginald. They are hiring refugees who are earning 8 to $14 an hour. The refugees at Sterling come from all over the world, from Syria to, to Sudan, and they all pass the company's standard drug test. Okay? Now, the report says that an increasing number of American-born workers Passing drug tests is a big problem. The percentage of American workers testing positive for illegal drugs has climbed steadily over the last three years to its highest level in a decade, according to Quest Diagnostics, which performed more than 10 million employment drug screenings last year. Now, the increase has been fueled in part by rural American heroin epidemic and the legalization of recreational marijuana in states like Colorado, Reginald. Okay. Now, with roughly half of U.S. employers screening for drugs, failed tests have come a real consequence for the economy. All right. More than 9% of employees tested positive for one or more drugs in oral fluid screenings in 2015, the most recent year for which data was available. Now, the problem is even worse in places, you know, like Sterling Technologies. Now, what do you think about what I've said so far? And let me, let me, let me, I have this one question. I wonder, does Donald Trump and his administration know about this and or do they know about it? But they're trying to like poo poo it away as he wants to continue to play the tough guy. And, you know, go on about the things that he said in his, you know, rallies. Your thoughts, Reginald? Well, the executive order that he signed means nothing. I mean, because it doesn't implement anything. Uh, this is a perfect I don't example. think he knows that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, this is a perfect, another perfect example of, uh, you know, the story of the king who, and, and he's not a king, but I'm just going to use this as an example of the king not having any clothes. Having any clothes. Mm-hmm. And secondly, this is a person who consistently used uh, 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 
non-documented, I don't like that term, illegal, non-documented uh, workers on his site. He's consistently done that. His son has used and continues to use non-documented workers to pick the grapes in their, in their wine factory or, 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 their, or their vineyard. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this is just a lot of, uh, this is just a lot of BS talk by this guy. And, and, uh, you know, I'm just wondering when, when, when people are, are going to get it. When is exactly. tech going to realize that he doesn't care about you because you're not a multimillionaire? He doesn't care about you. He's just using you. Um, uh, a lot of uh, African Americans who supported him, who said that he's going to bring jobs to the inner city, are those jobs flooding in now? I'm sure you got all these jobs that are flooding in now. And let's check in next year about all those jobs that are going to be flooding into the inner city, right? You know, yeah. What the hell up, people? You know, we're yeah, we're going to put Black Americans uh, to work. You know, and and uh, we're going to get cold, and uh, it's not it's not happening because the unfortunate. See, I like to talk the truth. All right, I don't want to skim it over. You know, and, you know, as I said, this is a sore that is festering and it's going to explode. It's going to. Now, I agree with you, Reginald. People do need to wake up. And I said that in my last show, you know, they need a big bullhorn and shout it out. Wake up. All right. Now, it goes on to say that workers flunking drug tests is not a new problem says Calvina L. Fay, Executive Director of Drug-Free American Foundation. Here's the important thing, though, Reginald. The problem is getting worse, she says. And she says employers are especially concerned about the increasing failure rates in safety-sensitive workplaces where a lapse by an employee under influence of drugs could cost lives. Now, they're frustrated for a number of reasons, Reginald. In some cases, they are having trouble hiring drug-free workers. They said they can't drug test, you know, they can't drug test people every day. So there will be people who slip, you know, through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you know, they're 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 seeing positive tests. And I want my listeners to know this. They're seeing positive tests anywhere from marijuana through amphetamines, right all the way through crystal meth and heroin. And it was also in this report. You can go to CNN.com, the website that I stated earlier. And it talks about how workers are being seen on their breaks going out smoking marijuana and then going back to work. I mean, really? Come on now. You know what I'm saying, Reginald? Yeah, yeah. and, and, and uh, I'm, I'm familiar with, with uh, Quad. I uh, dealt with them 20, 30 years ago, you know, when I was in social services in, in, in Chicago. And uh, those stats I'm, I'm aware of, and, they, and it doesn't surprise me, but it saddens me. Um, and and yeah, you're right. If if you you know you don't want someone who uh, is inebriated uh, working the fry machine at your restaurant, let alone other sensitive material, you know, at a uh, at a car or nuclear plant or whatever, you know. And and that's a fortunate thing that uh, the desire for drugs uh, in, in this population is 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 very high, and mm-hmm. um, you know that's that's a societal problem that uh, 
you know, we'll take another another conversation. Um, but uh, but I'll just say, you know, being a, a therapist and have worked with um, uh, and, and, and currently work with uh, substance abusers, it's uh, it, it's a sad situation. Mm-hmm. Now the thing is, is that I also wanted to be I want to be clear to my listeners that. Uh, when I said that the, the smokers, uh, that the employees are smoking pot on their lunch breaks and then going back to work, this is happening in Colorado. You know, the, you know, the place where marijuana is legal. Okay. This is, is happening big there. And I want, um, you know, our, our listeners to know, Reginald, that I want to see Americans put to work. And I'm sure you do. This is not what we're saying. What we are right. saying here, listeners, is that it is out of control, the drug problem that's in this country. I'm not talking about the world right now. I'm talking about in this country. All right. Now, these are these are things that need to be addressed, as I said before, with, you know, uh, shoring up our uh, educational system, because I think that the more that an individual is educated, the better off that they will be. You know, but as you know, in, in, you know, you had people in Donald Trump's, um, uh, uh table saying that they want to get rid of, um, you know, the, uh, the Department of Education and things like that. And so this way they can continue to keep you on drugs and they can continue to keep you in a place where they want to be and they, where they want you to be and they'll always be in power. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So what I'm, I'm going to do right now, Reginald and my listeners is that I want you to get up and stretch. Go and get some coffee and tea. We said a lot, and then come back with me. This is Teresa E. Keeves. Hi, listeners. This is Teresa E. Keeves, and I want to talk to you about bullying. Do you know that bullying is still a constant negative in our society, not only for children in grammar schools and high schools, but also in our colleges, university, and workplaces? I want you to know that professional mediation is a great method for resolving issues regarding bullying. It also allows party members to engage in a much-needed conversation to clarify what the issues are and to resolve them without the involvement of law enforcement and in relation to our children, the possibility of school suspension. Need more information? Please give me a call at 623-594-5657 or visit my website at www.tekmediations.com. This is a new dimension in sound. This is TalkZone.com. Internet Talk Radio. Back to Here's Teresa on TalkZone.com with Teresa E. Keeves. Thank you. Thank you so much for returning with me and my fantastic guest, the world's best mental health therapist, Reginald C. Campbell. And the topic of our talk this morning is Let's Talk Peace, Salvation, Rectification, and Amicable Resolutions. Are these things possible to achieve considering the state of our world? Now, uh, Reginald, we've talked a lot, you know, um, you know, about, um, uh, you know, varying times that, you know, throughout my shows, you know, about peace. But my, so my question, um, that I have, uh, for you, um, as, you know, that as we are coming, um, you know, to a close here on my fabulous program is that it's a simplistic one. And that question is, do you think peace on some level is achievable 
dealing with the turmoil abroad with North Korea, for example? Do you think that, you know, as we were talking about, um, you know, coming down, putting it on the table and talking about our differences and now uh, even though we may have some moments that may become heated, take a break and then come back to the table, um, you know, refreshed and re-energized. Is this something that you feel is a possibility um, in wake of all the turmoil that is going on right now? I, I do. Uh, I, I, I have I have hope, and uh, it goes back to uh, President Obama's wonderful book, The Adaptity of Hope, just that term, uh, you know, The Adaptity of Hope. But it's going to take some adults in the room um, and, and not, um, you know, the two knuckleheads that are, uh, with the three knuckleheads with uh, Syria is still throw that in there. But I have faith because, as I said earlier, um, the people of South Korea, they want peace. Uh, the people, the Chinese people, they, they, they want peace. These are growing economies, growing countries. You know, they're, they're making things, they're importing things, they're exporting things, television, clothes, cars, you know, toothbrushes. You know, all things that, that, that people need and, and want to make their lives better. Um, mm-hmm. no one cares, uh, except a small population of, of, of the ISIS knuckleheads, the, the leader of North Korea, Donald Trump, who are so, so war hungry. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they maybe sat back and, and watched some movies and, and saw how, oh, how great this is, but you know, there's, as I said earlier, when President Eisenhower said, the last person who wants to go to war are the military because they know the destruction of war. They know uh, the realization of it. Exactly. Exactly. Know, so so, so I, I, I do have hope, um, but uh, uh, cooler heads are going to have to prevail. Uh, mm-hmm. They're going to have to take this new uh, phone away so he doesn't tweet something stupid uh, because words Words mean a lot. Words, mm-hmm. you know, not knowing where the uh, where that uh, where the ship was. Trump talks about an armada. You don't even know what you're talking about. But saying that a certain ship is a certain place can be dangerous because that lets the other person know. Well, you're coming to do A, B, C, and D during the Cuban Missile Crisis. This is why history is so important to study. During the Cuban Missile Crisis, anything of any military operations, any airplane, any troop movements, any ship movements, had to come through President Kennedy first. Was mm-hmm. announced because he knew, and as he said, you know, these things make a big difference in what you're saying and where the military is doing. It makes a big impression on on the other person. So you don't want to send the wrong signal. That can happen. Exactly. exactly. And and this is why people, you know, were talking about when Pence went over there with that bomber jacket and his arms folded and scrawl on his face, you know, like, you know, like he's talking to his kid who won't, um, you know, uh, uh, go to bed on time. You know, I'm not playing with you and I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to give you a spanking or a timeout or whatever it is. This is this is not that. This is not that, you know, and I too, Reginald, have hope because I'm praying hard every day 
um and you know it, you know in addition to having hope and i and i do feel that we can obtain salvation i do feel that um we can um come about having an amicable resolution i do feel that we can you know ultimately have peace and you know i'm i'm you know i'm i'm very hopeful that china um um you know continues to be the purveyor of this you know of these talks because it certainly isn't north korea and it certainly is not uh the trump administration i thank you reginald um uh, for being my guest on on my show um discussing this very important matter i thank you for listening to me i will be back on in two weeks and um this is teresa e keith signing off take care be kind to one another <laughs>